And I'm Crystal. We are two homeschooling moms who hope to uplift, encourage, and inspire you all while keeping it real. Hello, and thank you for listening to Inspired to Homeschool with Mary and Crystal. Today, we have a very special guest. We have our friend, Laura Hickson, who is a veteran homeschool mom. And let's get right to this. I'm going to have her introduce herself to you all. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. I'm so excited to be here. I have been homeschooling for about 12 years. Um, my husband and I have five children, age and range, or range in age from 8, 11, 13, 15, and just turned oh, 16 and 18. We just like everybody just aged <laughs> up this year. So um, yeah, so our first one is in her second semester at college. And uh, we go all the way down to eight years old. So we've been married um, 20 years. Um, we met at Texas A&M University. We were both students there. And after graduating from college, um, I worked in agricultural consulting for a while and got to travel across the United States and do some really fun and exciting things. And after that, I spent some time in retail management. Um, and then as we started to have our first child, um, I transitioned into being at home full time. And then the kids, you know, kept coming after that. And so I did most recently do some work as a mentor for an online private school called Enzyme Peak Academy. And I taught classes in life skills, college and career prep, um, and family science. And so that was a lot, a lot of fun. And that was done. Um, Enzyme Peak Academy started as an online platform way before COVID ever hit. And so we had this really easy transition because we'd kind of just kept doing what we've been doing as far as that school was concerned. Only our oldest daughter um, was a student with that program. And so, and then, yeah. And then now at this point that got a little bit hectic and I couldn't kind of maintain all the different juggling balls that I was working with. And so um, now um, we have a little fun side gig um, with natural health and wellness. My husband's also a personal trainer. And so um, we love essential oils and supplements and work with that. And then we also raise golden doodles and burn a doodle. So we have all kinds of things happy. We, we require a lot of the stuff to keep us happy around here. We need puppies and, and good smelling things to help out because we're living in a crazy world. So that's kind of our little story in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. I love it. I'm super busy. It makes me tired just listening to all the things you're doing. <laughs> I love mm -hmm. it. I love it. So now you said you have a daughter in college and we all do. Yep. Eight first semester, starting her second semester, all the way down to eight. Yeah. And everywhere in between. Yes. Yeah, so you really have a lot of experience because you've, you've done it from the beginning and you've gotten them successfully off and out the door. And <laughs> that's good. That's what we all hope to do is get our children, you know, to, to move forward and be able to go out into this world on their own and survive basically. Right. Yeah. That's definitely, definitely the hope. And so far, so good. So, so far we're, we're hanging in there. We're doing okay. It's been a decision that we have literally kind of made over and over again from one year to the next and kind of just reevaluated all the time and, you know, looked at, is this still working for our family? Um, and so we have just kind of approached it that way um, and been super open to making changes if we needed to at any point, but yeah, so far, so far, everything's going really great. And I know Crystal has a few questions, but can you just uh, explain to our audience what prompted you to uh, decide to make the decision to homeschool? And I know you said that you change every year. I mean, you you reevaluate every year. But what is what was the motivation originally that got you into homeschooling and what has kept you homeschooling? 
Yeah. Um, so originally we moved from a little bit larger area to a more rural area. And this was when our first daughter was five years old. And so um, the area that we live in now is actually my hometown. We love it here. Um, but we started looking into the schools and um, there are a couple in the area that were known to be um, super high quality and then a couple that were maybe not so desirable sometimes. And so we started doing our research for ourselves. And um, ultimately, what I realized I was really looking for was more time with her. And so then we started seeking out like a half day kindergarten program. And that just didn't exist anywhere. Like we had gone as far as getting the paperwork done to get her enrolled um, in a what was then a private um, private school. And it just didn't sit quite right with my heart. I wasn't ready to send her out the door for eight hours a day, five days a week. And um, my sister-in-law really um, on a whim said, why don't you try homeschooling? And so literally we talked about it for a minute and I was like, yeah, why not try that? <laughs> and so we tried it and then it just stuck from that point on. And so, but what's kept me doing it, I think is the closeness that I can see developing um, between our children and that they they fight a lot, but they're also each other's best friends. And so that time that we get back by choosing to do it this way is what keeps keeps me going for sure. I love that you said that, that, you know, you're seeing their relationships develop, even though there's some fighting. <laughs> Man, it is hard some days. Some days are harder than others. And I'm like, oh, they can, uh, you know, have little disputes here and there. But I, I agree too. like the longer that we've been homeschooling, I can see like relationships forming deeper bonds, better connections within the kids. So yeah, in the day to day, it doesn't necessarily look like that. But over longer chunks of observation, then you realize, oh, wait, they are really they like each other. They're advocates for each other. They're friends, even yeah. if every day they don't act like that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, I love that. Um, so one thing that you mentioned earlier was how you kind of look at your homeschooling, like if you look at it as like a career, you've kind of like take it year by year and some things have changed and things like that. And, and I've noticed too, like as we are in our third year of homeschooling, my children, I've noticed that there's things like as far as like curriculum and time, like things that we're looking at changing up because what worked maybe for the first, you know, couple of years of our homeschooling journey you know, might not be working now. So I guess what uh, a question I have is like, what things um, you wish you knew when you were starting out and if had any tips for people who are, you know, wanting to start and just any advice you'd like to give with, with that? Yeah, um, I think the first thought that comes to mind is that um, I wish I had really understood. I'd heard people say, you don't have to try to create school at home. Um, and then I still kind of went about it a little bit like recreating school at home, just what I knew, you know, growing up. And so um, I don't think I took that to heart enough. And I don't think I really understood that it's always going to look very, very different than public school does, that the the ebb and flow of family life, like you said, the changes in children and their development and all those things one year after the next, it, it's just different and it's always different. And that can be a really, really good thing. And to have confidence in that and not keep thinking, oh my goodness, we didn't start at 8 a.m. Oh my goodness, we didn't finish, you know, lesson 37 that we were supposed to have on our lesson plan for today. And like letting those things cause doubt or create worry in our hearts as moms. Um, I like that you said like it ebbs and flows and there's times and seasons and it's like not going to look like public school. So I think a lot of the time when I was starting out with homeschooling my first, even last year, and even sometimes this year, I, I catch myself like thinking, oh, things should be done a certain way. And it doesn't have to be like that. That's the joy of homeschooling, right? Is that it can be different. And 
really developing more real life skills and real life, just how it is, you know, in the world. And it's not like, you know, you're going to sit every day at a desk, you know? So I think right along with this topic and kind of carrying on with that, because I think it's just super important that moms know that, that they, that they trust in their abilities and they don't let those things um, deter them or think if there's a rough week or if there's a rough month, or even if there's a rough year, that that you're not on a good track. Um, and so I read an article at some point when I was feeling really down and maybe a little worried about those things. Um, and the article, I think it was called something like The Baby is the Lesson. And it's probably not searchable again. This was years and years ago. And so this was on some blog of some mom out there somewhere who I'm so grateful for. I don't remember her name, but she would share her heart and thoughts about homeschooling. Um, and at that particular time um, that she wrote the article, they had a new baby in their family, which is quite common during years of homeschooling. And she was so worried about the schedule and getting things done. And at some point she had this realization that at that moment and at that season in their life, that loving a newborn baby, that all the experiences that come with that, that learning to serve in your family and, and all of those things for a moment was the lesson. And that in other situations, our children are not able to witness life firsthand. And so over the years, um, we've had seasons of death. We've had seasons of chronic illness in people that we love. We've had times where it felt like for a little while, the best thing to do was take a little pause. And, and then granted, on the flip side of that, we have to be flexible, but not too flexible. <laughs> so I always say that the number one greatest strength of homeschooling is flexibility. And the number one most difficult part of homeschooling is flexibility, right? Have you ladies felt that way over time? <laughs> And so um, I think that that one is really huge, but it helped me to understand that in seasons left up to our, you know, feelings as parents and as moms, it's okay if the lessons have to be pushed aside for a minute because the learning that's taking place in life is, is forever. And that if we need to catch up on grammar a little bit, we can do that. I mean, that's, you know, that's just some, some knowledge that takes some hours and some days to sit down and figure out. And so that was super duper helpful to me. And then the kind of giving yourself enough time in the day. <laughs> I am like number one notorious for like, like making this beautiful schedule that has like 25 items to be done on the day and thinking we can do that by noon and then we'll rush out and do the next thing, you know, <laughs> and so... <laughs> um, it's not that we can't do those things or that those schedules aren't wonderful or that they shouldn't be made. Um, but I have to make sure that there's time for instruction. Like to me, what slows down the day the most quickly is helping keep people on task, but also being nice to each other while we do it, dealing with the squabbles that come up because they're going to come up every single day. And so that's what takes more time. So it's almost like it's okay, but we need to like schedule for that in our day. Like almost no, it's going to take at least depending on the season of life and how your kids are getting along, it might take an hour out of the day for just relationships. And it may be 10 minutes here and 15 minutes there. <laughs> so like right now I'm in a season where I'm like two o'clock. I can't really leave this house until two o'clock because it takes that long. <laughs> Our homeschool schedule is not that long, but to get everything else to eat the food and try to do all the things, you know, we need at least that much time. So giving yourself enough time and having, having a schedule, but sometimes it looks more like a routine than a schedule. And it's just things that go in a predictable order and we know what we're going to do each day. But if we do it at 9am instead of 8.15am, you know, sometimes that's okay. Time management matters so much, but also does keeping things positive? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's super, super tricky. So those are a couple of things that I could think of. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I think oils and puppies probably help with the positivity. <laughs> so much. <laughs> Even oh if God. I have to hide in a closet and pet a puppy until it's fallen. <laughs> I love what you said. And this is such a good reminder for us and for me particularly about not stressing out when you have this amazing schedule plan and it doesn't go as, you know, as you expect it to go. Cause there's a lot of learning that has nothing to do with the books, you know, and that, that sometimes is the most important learning that they're going to have for the day. That's a really good reminder because sometimes I can get too narrow focused on, okay, we have to do this. We have to get this done. And then there's maybe some amazing like life learning experience going on over here, but I'm like, no, no, focus on this page, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm still, they they both matter, right? They're both important. Yeah. But like letting there be room for both. Yeah. Yeah. I think at that point we're learning, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's great. That's really good advice for everyone listening, especially when you're first starting out. Um, You're really hard on yourself, I think, schedule and make sure you're doing the right thing. And, and so it's really good to hear from someone who's been doing it for a while since the beginning and the experiences you've had. I thought of one more really quick little thing that I've heard people like um, call it lots of different things, but I try to keep it as simple as like, sometimes we just start off the next day where we left off the day before. So that like, um, if there's something we didn't like, I've heard people call it loop scheduling and all kinds of fancy things, you know, but to me, it's just kind of like, well, we didn't get to that yesterday. So let's start with that today. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think that's super helpful because we don't get in a rut of um, like skipping things consistently just for whatever reason that they fall out of our schedule and we can, you know, bring them back in. And so, for example, like history, that happens a lot with history for us. If we don't get to it in a certain, you know, amount of time the day before or even a couple of days before, um, then we'll like start with that and so having a little bit of that I I don't know I think the most common thing I've heard it called is like loop are you guys from like the loop schedule thing that's yeah I've heard something I've heard but just starting where you left off can sometimes be helpful oh that's really good advice now uh, Crystal had mentioned a little bit earlier but how do you keep your kids motivated so that one is like the the question of the day right and so um (laughs) Uh, we have like tried all kinds of things, lots and lots of things, most consistently. And for, I guess the last maybe two years, um, we've done this really simple little like ticket system. And I literally was at Walmart one day and saw like a roll of red tickets, like the red carnival tickets that you get for a ride. And so I thought, what about that? That's immediate. And so I just kind of tried to come up with some kind of little way, have it to where, Whatever's going on, um, it makes it a little more fun, but it also gives a way when things aren't quite going the right way to to correct that as well. And so the way it works is um, usually if there's like some little thing that we're working on, um, a little boy who doesn't really want to do his math, <laughs> those, those, those <laughs> things happen a lot. So <laughs> um, after I've talked with that student, that kiddo about it, you know, um, the very next opportunity that he right away gets on his math the first time I mention it in the schedule like oh man thank you so much buddy you need a ticket and so he'll get a little ticket for that like that's so good I love to see it when you're like willing to do you know what we're what we need to get done today and so um they can take those tickets it doesn't have like a super organized structure to it I had to leave it where there's like room for me to modify it because I really didn't know where it was going to go but basically um the tickets equal good things at the end of the week and so we try to make it things like 
that don't cost very much at all, um, that are just maybe getting outdoors, being with some friends, being with some family members, going on like some kind of an excursion. Um, but you do need to have earned your tickets for the week to go. And if you haven't, then it really just means you probably need to stay behind and like get some of those things caught up that you didn't get done during the week. And so in the reverse of that little system, um, if like if two kids are fighting a whole lot, um, you lose tickets for that. And so I definitely have to tweak it and learn how to have it a little more dependably structured to where maybe tickets always equal the same thing or not. Um, sometimes it like translates into money. And if they earn a lot of tickets, like my two oldest girls, they are into things like we try to make it non-consumable if it's something you're going to purchase because we just can't take any more junk in our house, you know? And then we try to make it like something that's not creating another like habit or desire with the reward. I think it's so hard to find rewards that are really good rewards. So sugar and screens rule the world. Like that's the thing that I say all the time. I'm like, who knew that my whole job every day was going to be like to keep people off screens and try to have them not eat too much sugar. <laughs> and so sometimes that is what's rewarding. You know, sometimes it needs to be a candy bar and like, that's okay. And sometimes it needs to be 30 minutes or an hour on a game and that's okay too. But trying to like put little ideas in their head, like, oh, like my oldest two, for example, are into like learning how to take good care of themselves, like their physical bodies. And so they have this little special line of skincare that they like to purchase. And so we'll purchase that with their tickets or things like that. And then it, it works in the reverse as well. So if you're fighting, you lose tickets. Um, if you get on screens of any kind without permission, you lose tickets for that. Cause I like for that to be something that is like agreed upon that. Yes, this is a good time of day to be doing, playing that game or, you know, doing whatever. And you, Laura, ha actually, Laura and I go to the same piano teacher. So when she had actually told me about the tickets, then I was asking her more about it. And I was so excited. I ran out to Walmart and bought a big roll of tickets. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, this is going to be amazing. And I've told my kids about it like kind of a, a brief like like example of what we could do with the tickets how the tickets work and they're super excited so I am super excited to start this new ticketing especially uh when they realize that just being nice to each other you know and if I catch them being kind and doing things for each other I'm gonna be like wow you really deserve some tickets you know but they're super excited and I can't wait to see all the behaviors I get to reward. So, and I think what I've talked to Laura about before in, or in, in our own personal conversation is, um, you know, sometimes it's easy, like for me to start picking up on just focusing on the negative, like, oh, they're fighting. Uh, and then, then I start focusing on those things. And I don't want to be a yeller, like someone who's like, knock it off. You know, I want to be able to point out all the good and positive. And I think this will, these tickets are probably going to be more help to me than my kids. Like it'll remind me to focus more on all the positive things they're doing. So I'm really excited about that because sometimes you get in this rut where all of a sudden you notice you're looking at just seeing, oh, today's a hard day. They're bickering. They don't want to do math. They don't want to do this. And I want to be able to reward them for the good stuff. And I think that this will help me focus when I start getting in that rut. It's so true. And, and it's, I, I have enjoyed it because it provides like an immediate opportunity to recognize those good things or to correct things that aren't going well. But it also gives them long-term vision, like through the end of the week too, because then they have this little bit of idea in their mind. Oh man, like uh, sometimes we like in the summer, we've gone to get snow cones. There's this cute little shop that's super cheap here, or I mean, gone swimming or whatever it is that we do. 
But in the moment, I have actually seen like each one of them over time, like stop and go and make this little shift in their mind where it's like, oh, wait a minute, I really want to go do that thing on Friday and then choose differently because they have that memory. So it's like short term. And it also gives a little bit of, of a bigger picture of like creating good habits and, and treating each other kindly, you know, with a little bit longer vision insight too. Yeah. And I love that. It's like they can hold it in their hand. It's like, a, it's a real thing. It's not just, Hey, we're going to do this at some point in the future. No, here's an actual ticket, put it in your jar, you know, here you go. So I think that that helps having it right there to hand to them. I think that's really good. So I'm really excited. We are hoping to try it on Monday. So we'll see how that goes, but we're pretty excited. Well, I was so excited to hear that, that you were excited about it. Cause I thought I really haven't had a lot of opportunity to bounce this idea off of a lot of mom brains, you know? And so it felt good to think, Oh, someone else like thinks that this is a good idea too. So it gave me like the confidence to keep going in that. Cause sometimes in the short term, like when I see like the eight-year-old, like obviously sometimes they will do things just to get tickets. Like, and in my youngest one, you know, even though I know he's doing that, um, I still like congratulate him on making an effort to do good things. And so even if for a tiny minute, there's like not the most sincere behavior or intent behind it, I still see like progression towards a better place. And so I think that's still worth rewarding too. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I I probably will reward all good behavior, whether it's sincere or not in the beginning. For a little while. Okay, Laura. So do you want to share with us any curriculum that you find to be helpful or maybe some curriculum that you really enjoyed, your kids really enjoyed? Yeah, absolutely. We have, you know, over the years, of course, like run the, I don't know what that term is, but we have, we have tried them and used them and lots and lots and lots of them. And so um, when I think about that, if I were to, you know, try to give anything that I try to think of what has stuck for the long term, like what are the things that we always come back to? What are the things that have always resonated with our family, with our schedule, with our hearts? And so um, there's just really a handful of those. It's pretty small. The first one would be um, definitely the good and the beautiful, or we've used it for all kinds of different subjects. But um, when that one first came out, it was just um, a really like a sigh of relief. It just kind of fit all the things. It checked all the boxes, had had the heart that we were looking for, the Christ-centered education that we were looking for, um, but also was just incredibly enriching and challenging and just really seemed to fit fit everything that we were hoping for. So we've used that one for language arts for quite a few years. Um, and then other subjects on and off um, over the years. The second one would definitely be teaching textbooks for math because we have gone in all different directions and done a lot of different things with math. But what that one has always done for me is that in my day, I know there is one thing that can always happen no matter what state I am in, no matter what state or what's going on in our family, they can always do that. So the independence that that allows for, um, and math is just not my strong suit. And so I also have a lot of confidence in the fact that in an area that I'm not quite as strong, I can rely on a really solid program. Um, and sometimes we change that one up a little bit. Like if I've ever had anybody get a little bit behind in math, or if we needed to work the schedule a little bit differently, I've even had them do two courses simultaneously. And so they'll do one lesson from each in the same year. So like my oldest um, did algebra two and geometry that way once she got to high school. But the reason for that was so that we could focus on some other like more financial minded math education, but we wanted to hammer out those like requirements so that mm -hmm. she would have time for those things. So that one for math. Um, and then we have always used time for learning as a little bit of like a, um, if I needed to focus, since I'm always like doing the little rotation and kind of juggling the balls and trying to work with different kids at different times, I use that one as a way for them to have something to do quite independently. It's like a, 
you know, a, a positive usage of screen time. And so that one I've always found to be really helpful too. And that one is actually one I have suggested to, um, I've had a couple of parents over the years say, I'm going to take my kids out of school. I literally have no idea where to start. And that one can get you through until you figure out what you're going to do. Because I mean, it just does everything for you. And so we've always used that one in the background too. So I think those, um, those three things have kind of been our staples over the years. Like and then of course... Yeah, like yeah. that's kind of like, the, we come back to that a yeah. lot. If we, yeah, yeah, the, the good and the beautiful, we haven't really taken, now we have gone through seasons when if I'm not able to do, like if the child was younger and I couldn't put as much time in as required for the language arts, um, we have gone through seasons where they're just reading the books that are recommended and then like maybe either doing copy work if they're younger or writing essays that go along about what they've read for the day. Um, we have done that as well with that one, so. Yeah, I love that you shared that because I feel like, Right now is kind of like a time and season for uh, for our family. And that's kind of like the approach we kind of took this year. And I've, I've been kind of like stressed out about it because I'm like, hopefully like the students learning and they're doing okay. But yeah, I love that you said that because I think like when you're going through those times and seasons, sometimes it's you can kind of pick and choose what you can do where you're still maintaining and learning and developing. Because I know like I... I know Mary has done the good and beautiful. We've done good and beautiful in our, in our family. And it definitely can have like extra, like there's a lot to it. It's a very heavy curriculum, which is great because your kids are learning so much. But like I said, like when it's a time and season, sometimes it's nice just to kind of pull away a little bit and still get like the good quality books and, and, and education, but it's, it's at a, in an amount that you can handle at that time, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> So. Yeah, so true. You can always trust the book recommendations. And, you know, ultimately when we look at like, if we think about our lives as adults and every person that I've ever met who just seems to be well-rounded and well-spoken and all of those things, if, if, if they're a great reader and if they were just fueled with lots of things to read, that's really it in a nutshell. I mean, and then there's, they're never limited. They can learn anything on this planet after that beyond that, you know, being instilled. I think you're absolutely right. If you can develop a love for reading, then I think it can take you anywhere. Thank you again, Laura, for joining us. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Please like and subscribe, and we will look forward to sharing another episode later. Bye.